Welcome to Christian Medical and Dental Association's Chapel. We trust this message will encourage your walk with the Lord. So how many of you have ever done something stupid under the influence of somebody else, of a friend, right? Rhetorical question. You don't have to answer that. But uh, certainly, uh, we have all done that. Um, I remember uh, growing up, I grew up on a farm, two brothers and a sister, and my father worked uh, a job off the farm as well. And uh, one thing that I can honestly say is you don't leave three young boys on the farm with all kinds of animals and uh, equipment and automobiles and leave the farm. You have a lot of fun. You have a lot of daring that goes on. I remember on one occasion, my brother, we had horses uh, that we would just keep for riding. And I remember we had just gotten a new horse that had not been ridden before. And so I remember um, one day my father was off at work. My mom was in the house doing whatever. And my brothers dared me to get on that horse. Oh, I bet you can't ride that horse. Oh, I could ride that horse. So before you knew it, I was attempting to ride that horse, and I can tell you it did not go well, okay? Uh, so what is it in your life? Uh, I'm sure there are things that you have done uh, out of uh, being influenced by others uh, in your life. And so today, I want to talk about what good friends do, right? Good friends do things differently than we saw uh, in our little video this morning or the illustration that I uh, shared with you. And I want to take uh, this time and talk out of Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through uh, 12, and it's a familiar passage. You have read it many times and probably heard many sermons on it over the time. It's the story of the paralyzed man and uh, his friends, and we're going to draw just a couple of principles out of it that we can live for and by uh, the rest of this day and hopefully going forward. So let's start on verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him in to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there through <clears throat> thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? I love that little section. Think about it. Could you imagine traveling with Jesus, who's all-knowing? Wouldn't we think differently? Can you imagine that? Uh, here's these religious leaders in the room. I sort of have to chuckle about it. They're thinking in their minds, who is this lunatic? And Jesus is reading it, understanding it. He knows what they're thinking. 
I, I, my mind, I know Jesus often in this stage of life traveled with his disciples, so I can see Peter and James off to the side taking bets like, how long is it going to take till he, he knows what somebody's thinking, these religious leaders, and then, ah, gotcha, you know, and here's Jesus, he speaks up, but it continues, uh, um, is it easier to say to a parent, Jesus answers, why do you uh, question this in your hearts, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through, through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. We don't know a lot about this paralyzed man's life. We don't know why he was in on a mat. We don't know, you know, was it an accident? Was it from birth? We don't know a lot about it. But we do know and we can imagine that that mat uh, was his place of uh, sadness. You know, he watches friends play. Uh, he could watch even if this was an accident and happened later in his life. He would see adults having good times, working, being productive, and it was probably a, a place of, uh, you know, disappointment. It was his place of disability and recognizing it. Um, it was a difficult place for him, I could imagine. But, um, you know, here's friends that are reaching out to him, caring for him, having energy around how do we continue to take our friend different places. And then they hear about Jesus being in town, and Jesus uh, plays a huge role in helping them fulfill something that, um, that, that they really desired for their friends. So at the end of the story, we see that this place of his greatest disability, he takes up his mat, he rolls it up, and he puts it under his arm, and he walks out, and it's his greatest moment of being empowered in life. And so uh, we, we know that little bit. But uh, a couple of things I want to just draw out of this passage for us to take with us is what do good friends do? What do good friends do? And the first thing that um, I had here was that uh, good friends come close when people are hurting, right? Here's this man who was paralyzed in his mat, and his friends came close to him. I think of the, the passage, uh, Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And so good friends come close when other people are hurting. We know today that uh, Becky Berry is hurting. We know that in Hunter's life, there's people in his life and family and himself that are hurting, times of loss. But we also know that there is hurts in all of our lives. Who in your life is paralyzed today? Right now. Maybe it's not physical, right? Maybe that paralyzing is not physical. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's somebody who's dealing with anxiety. Maybe it's rejection. Maybe it's their choosing of their own sin. Maybe it's mental illness 
or addiction that we see in our culture that's so prevalent. So the question for you is, who do you need to come close to today? Good friends come close to those who are hurting. The next thing that I came up as I read this uh, was that good friends don't take no for an answer. Here's the four friends that show up with the paralyzed man. They know Jesus is in town. They know Jesus' reputation. They know Jesus' ability to heal. And they bring their friend, and they show up, and the pathway to Jesus is full of people, and they can't get there. Now, again, adding, just imagining what was happening, there had to probably be a farmer or a country boy or somebody in that group of friends right? Because somebody had to say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, I found another way. There's another way to get there. And growing up on a farm, there was always this saying that if a farmer has a pair of pliers and a piece of bob wire, they can fix everything. And that's what makes me think somebody was, must have been a farmer or a country boy that was figuring out and being creative. And he said, there's another way. I'm not going to take no for an answer. And as we think about those in our life that need us, they need a good friend, when we hear of their needs, let's not take no for an answer. Okay? If we see that they're in need, let's make sure we just don't ask, how can I pray for you? And then, okay, I did my part. I didn't have to spend any more time on that. Don't take no for an answer. Look for how you can help and go to the extreme measure of even cutting a hole through the ceiling to lower your friend in and bring before Jesus. The last thing that I have here is they do, a good friend does whatever it takes to get their friend at the feet of Jesus, right? A good friend does whatever it takes to get their friend to the feet of Jesus. How good are we at at doing this? What kind of friend are you? Are you inviting, being persistent, bringing people over, and, and bringing them to the feet of Jesus? You know, so often in our culture, and even in the Christian culture, we start thinking about fixes, right? I'm a fixer, and I get accused of that in my family, is that uh, if I hear of a problem, I'm off fixing the problem uh, and resolving it rather than sometimes setting still and coming before God with the, for direction and answer uh, and, and help, uh, if you would. And so sometimes we need to just be still and sit and listen and walk that person to the feet of Jesus. Sometimes we can calm their anxieties. Sometimes we can help them think through uh, where they need to be headed, how their life could be different, how we could walk alongside of them. But a good friend does, uh, gets their friend uh, at the feet of Jesus. So just in closing, what kind of friend are you is the question. Uh, Do you come close when people are hurting? Do you refuse to take no for an answer? Do you know, uh, do you do whatever it takes to bring others 
to the feet of Jesus? And then, do you let friends win at putt-putt today? Right? But anyhow, what kind of a friend are you? And what do good friends do? I need friends in my life. And I could give you stories of different friends, some of you in this room, who have walked very close to me at times of need. And uh, amazing how God used that in my life. And it's these simple principles that somebody cared about me when I was hurting. Uh, someone didn't take, no, I, didn't, I don't need any help. You know, everything's good, right? Everything's good. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm just fine, you know? People just didn't take that for an answer from me. They really saw what was going on and dug a little deeper and helped me. And then they were faithful at reminding Jesus is the one who can help us walk through this. So that's what I wanted to leave with you today as a devotion. So God bless you. Go and be good friends.